The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. On with the show. Doug Busso. <laughs> Freaking A. Hey guys, Doug Busso here. Just wanted to present you with an opportunity. So Were you unhappy with Brusso? your life, your wages that you're earning? Do you feel like you're overqualified and not making enough money? Let me kick you over to my dog, Doug Busso. <laughs> Tell them what they need to do, Doug. Talk to Anthony Rufo. <laughs> Talk to Anthony Rufo. He'll sell you the stuff. He'll sell you the big waves. What's up, dudes? Chris hey. and Jer here. Top of the line. Cap- <laughs> Top of the line. <laughs> Top of the line on a Friday. <laughs> Top of the line. Hot times. We're outside. We're downtown in front of the Octagon, which Abbott is Square. N- near our Abbott Square market location. Beautiful day here in sunny Santa Cruz, California. If you're really bored, you go uh, Vimeo.com slash Chewbacca and uh, <laughs> click on the video of the Scorpion. <laughs> oh, man. You, you can see what we're 1986, doing. 1986, <laughs> you can see what the Octagon is. Used to be a coffee shop, and now it's not. You can also <laughs> check out my uh, triple-jointed shoulder mobility at the time. It's pretty good. It's very old. Very sad. So, yeah. It comes from a time when I was who I'm not now. A bunch of really crappy things going on in that. Uh, yeah. It's embarrassing, but, well, you know. We're going to own our chair. whole lives and everything that, <laughs> everything that goes along with it. I'm pretty sure I have a shirt with like a, a purple shirt with like a girl on it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, like, like a, I have a, like a I have deep a wife beater tank top <laughs> on. Tank top. So you can but start you have there. sunnies on. And I have sunglasses. So it keeps it safe. Nice. We dry humping. <laughs> we just got out of a four hour meeting that we we're going to do every six months to a year. We did financial planning and projections with not just financials, but like goals for the company, goals for the organization, personal goals, goals for our crew, uh, for one year out, three years out, and 10 years out. That's right, folks. We set ourselves officially a 10-year vision. We, we have 10-year vision and goals, three-year vision and goals. And then we're going to take those. We So we took those broken. We're not going to get too deep into it because there's no, another part of it coming. All about it but um, we took those things delegated responsibility for certain things, broke down the one year into specific tasks. Yep. And then Charles is going to take that and crunch the numbers on what it'll take to get that done. Yes, um, yes, yes. Human-wise and infrastructure-wise and see what's viable and go from there. Boom. That's who he is. But today we figured we'd take a t- second or two and answer some questions. We haven't done that in a really long time, and we have a lot of questions coming in all the time. Many, many questions. Many Qs. We're going to give you a few A's. First one's from Chris. But not you. Not me. Chris Another who? Chris. Chris Busso. Oh, yeah. Brusso. Doug Busso. I said it wrong. <laughs> brother. Chance to use a what up? Just Dude, podcast. podcast. We have you a podcast. get in on this? The yeah. man, the myth, the legend, the one who helped us get an SBA loan. <laughs> We're coming in the game. This is going out to everybody. This is real. Do you know it? Don't be nervous. All right, Lighthouse Bank, your local bank. 
I'm going to run a little advertisement here. I'm here with Michelle Bassey, our business relationship manager who helped Cat and Cloud get established here in Santa Cruz County. Um, we uh, enjoy the relationship we have with you guys. Hope you enjoy the relationship you have with us and look forward to helping you guys as you grow your business and uh, send anybody you know our way. That's amazing. So I just want to take 30 seconds and say, one, thank that, you. Was, that was not scripted. That Two, wasn't. thank you. The question that we're about to read is literally about funding. So yeah. that's pretty yeah, tight. Yeah. So you're so in at the right time. Perfectly. So <laughs> that was our bank lighthouse. Yeah, that was our bank lighthouse. <laughs> Have a good day. Sick. And you're, they're, they're here to get, get some coffee. coffee at Abbott Square. Good to see you guys. Bye, guys. That was amazing. Perfect timing. Dude, how did that even happen? Serendipity. That was super serendipity. Wait a minute. Sitting over to our left is Michael Foy with a Zip Zinger skateboard. I mean, Shout the wrong out to question. The French Press and their short run of Zip Zinger, House, Espresso, and Coffee. We had it. We loved it. Jared. And now it's still there, but it's a different name. I clicked on the wrong question. Chris, I do want to answer your question, but it wasn't the right question. We have a whole nother. Chris has sent us a few questions. I'm so sorry. You don't get to have all your questions answered, Chris. Nobody gets all their questions answered or else I'd feel a lot more comfortable, comfortable this, with my life. This was the one that I wanted to go for, and this is the one that has to do with financials, and this is one that I think is super helpful. So this is from, well, it's from Common Heart. It's from Austin. It's Jared okay. and Chris, thank you so much for your podcast and everything you do to facilitate growth within the coffee industry. I've been listening to podcasts for a little over a year now, and I'm always spurred on in my love for coffee and business. So... My wife and I live in the Chicago area. I've worked in the food industry for 13 years, with 10 years of that being spent within the specialty coffee scene. I am one among probably many who started their coffee careers working for Starbucks and quickly fell in love with it and started dreaming of the day owning they could own their own coffee shop. Since that day, I've continued on coffee to learn as much as I could, went to culinary school with a direct focus in restaurant management, and then finally got to the point where my wife and I were sitting across the table from an investor with our 30-page business plan we poured our blood, sweat, and 10 years of coffee shop dreams into, ready to be grilled on every number and detail within our plan. All for our investors to say, despite our great idea and vision, it's too high of a risk for him because we don't own a home, okay, and we aren't able to invest too much of our own finances. After that meeting, with our heads hung low, we decided to try doing everything I could to change those factors. I quit the shop I was working at, took a job I'm not super fond of or particularly good at with the intent of getting a home and setting some money aside. I've also gotten funding and started plans of building a coffee cart pop-up for markets, weddings, etc. to supplement some of the startup costs for the shop. This long explanation and backstory was just to ask how you went about funding. Whether it was a combo of finding an investor, some of your own money set aside, crowdfunding, or whatever. I'm also interested, what is your estimated initial startup cost? I know you're a totally different area of the country with much different real estate values and labor costs and all that, but I'm very curious as to how much you were looking to raise to get things going and if how that amount changed over time. Thanks again for your time and all you do, Austin. Well, that's a great question, Ooh. Austin. It's a big question. It's a big uh, question. We, okay. Many it, things happened. Many things, many things had happened. Many so things have happened. We do not have an investor situation. Nope. No so investors. Jared, Charles, and I are the sole proprietors to the, the company. Um, Chuck ran true. a business plan. And Charles built his business plan based off of everything that we thought we would need to run a coffee shop uh -huh. and a roastery. And our initial projections 
We thought we could do it for about a quarter of a million dollars. True. $250,000. And I think actually, well, we were actually after more at first. I, we were act, well, we were after more for the SBA loan. You're right. So we right. were after like three. We wanted to get 300. 350, I think. Something like that. I think it was 350. All in. All in. So we went to look for funding. Yep. And from banks, from specifically. The banks specifically. Which it became apparently clear that that probably wasn't going to happen. We also didn't have houses. Because we also don't have a house. Yes. Which was a big. It's a big thing. If you don't have that big chunk of something that you own... Yeah, it becomes harder. Really, really hard to get a loan. We also didn't have a ton of money saved up. Jared and I basically had no savings. Yep. Chuck had some savings to speak of, yep. which was nice. Um, so we went to the bank and said, they said, you will never qualify for a traditional loan. No chance. Right. No way. Um, we didn't really want to do investors because we didn't want anyone else involved because part of living the dream and... We didn't want anything to be able to block our vision. Yeah, we, we had a lot of sure. creativity in ourselves. We wanted to go after it. Yeah, we wanted to keep it ours. Um, so we talked with Lighthouse, whom you just heard from. <laughs> yeah, oddly. And that was super Perfectly. weird. And they kind of directed us towards the SBA loan situation. Yeah. So that's a small business association loan. It's a federally backed loan. So it's backed by the federal government. Up to 80%. 80%, yeah. So, which means if we take out the loan and then we go out of business and lose everything, the federal government will reimburse the bank for that amount. Right. So, those loans are generally, they're supposed to be easier for small businesses to get, but because they're backed so heavily, it's like they're higher risk. Yeah. You in have to general, have your ducks in major rows. They just, you have to check off, check off a lot of yeah. boxes yeah. in order to get them. There's a lot of restrictions on them. And also, we couldn't get anywhere near what we wanted. Yeah. So we ended up, what, 225000 is what we ended up getting? 225 or 250 Yeah. So Some, we're dancing right around there. Somewhere in there. They so we first, did... Go on. The, oh, yeah. No, you go. Oh, I was just saying, so we, were gonna ha we had to supplement with some crowdfunding. Right. And even that, well, the, even the process for the, the SBA loan was super tricky. It was long. We got dinged back, I think, to, I think we got dinged back from 350 to three or something. And then yep. I had some marks on my record. and Me too, from late payments um, when I was younger. This is from like 10 plus yeah. years ago. So both, yeah, both Chris and I, when we were like young and semi-irresponsible, just were late on paying back like my school loans. I went into default on school loans. And even though they were all paid off, it still happened. You have to basically be perfect on your credit. And I had the exact same thing yep. from school and then a period of time where I didn't pay cards. And which is funny because it isn't tied directly to our credit scores. No. Because we both have really awesome credit. We have credit, high credit, yeah. And it's just like a note, which I don't think normally it, would anybody would look at it in terms of like, if I was going to get a credit card or no, like they don't. buy a house or whatever. But because it's a federally backed loan, all these things need to be lined up. So seven years, perfect, you have to be. And we were not. We were not. And because we didn't own a home, we needed a decent amount of cash to get going. Which Charles thankfully had some savings. I don't remember what the total amount was, but he put in a good chunk of change to get yeah. us going. Um, and that's just so he was our investor. Yeah, <laughs> slash Charles was our. He investor. basically put up the cash collateral for the bank. Yep. Which wasn't nearly as much as like buying a home or anything like that. Oh no no no! But still. So it was getting a good chunk of cash. You know, think instead of buying two cars, you set aside a chunk of cash or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> and then. Um, being able to take less money than you actually need 
put right. us in this bracket that made it eligible for us to get this loan. Startup loan, yeah. Startup loan. So we started going with that SBA loan. And then, yeah, we went into crowdfunding because there was no way we were going to make it. Yeah. And the place we had, we had to we had to take it to bare bones in order for it to even resemble what we wanted it to. So, I mean, the cost all in, basically what you're looking at is we spent around $400,000. Yep. To and open our business. Coffee shop, roastery, yeah. building, TIs. All of it. You can definitely do it for less than that. You can do it for less. I you mean, could probably pull it off in like the 200 range really well. If you want to... If you want a cafe and you have a building that has had a cafe in it right. or is already has had something that had to do with food in it, yeah. that's like a huge step forward. Yeah, we, to, we had to get change of use. We had to do everything. We also paid rent for... So part of the reason that we were tied on funds is we paid rent for a full year before we started in a build out. So that, that was wasn't cool. very helpful. That so was, you can say that's, you know, that was whatever, $30,000 or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Not a good idea. Yeah, but we were already in, so there's nothing we could do about it. Also, you have like such little negotiating power when you don't have a proof of concept. They're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looks cool that you're a barista champion and that you're like head of this and head of that. Right. But it like, helped us, though. It but helped. Not, not enough. It helped sell it a little bit. It helped yeah. sell the concept, but it didn't really help like with the actual numbers of the thing. Exactly. It made it attractive enough to the bank to where they were like, okay, I don't know who you guys are, but this seems believable. Right. And I met you and like, Sounds great. Right. So, but we still need, we still can't give you this much money. Exactly. So, cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I think you'll be successful if you get this thing open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now John's all, he's, you're my boys. <laughs> yeah. Now they love us. They yeah, love you. Like, oh, yeah. Proof. Proof. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, but nobody it's loves nice. you until, until you start cranking. I mean, they have to not love you. That's the bank's job is to be perfect. Yeah. So, you know, they have to put their money in the right spots. Jeez, it's so hard. I hate money. It's the worst. Oh, it's stupid. So dumb. <laughs> so I don't know if that helps. It seems like you've already been down a lot of these, a lot of these roads. So I don't know if you know, starting small and pr proving your concept via the like the pop up and the farmers market way is like a way to get going, right? Because you can, if you do run yourself a good business, you could bank some legit cash should you have a good following to put aside, and then you can get your loan for a brick and mortar. It just seems such a long play. Like, like how much money? do you need from a farmer's market to show like to buy a house? You should ask Paul or, Halverson. He's working on that game. Where are you? It's just, you know, like Is they're in Florida? Chicago. Chicago I mean. So if you're in Chicago, I imagine it's pretty expensive, but if you're in the suburbs, maybe it's actually way more affordable Aurora? to get into a house. Aurora, yeah, Illinois. Isn't, isn't that where, uh, Wayne's world? Wayne's world is. Yeah, yeah. dude. Hi, we're in Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we out here. So, I mean, 400000 in California is probably like 200000 somewhere else. Right. I guess. It's a lot. It's either a way. Lot. It's a lot either way. But I was like, yeah, I don't have any advice. I just don't I mean, know. You just have to keep plugging away if you believe in yourself. It sounds like you have a lot of, a lot of history in like the culinary world. And it sounds like you must have a legit business plan. I mean, honestly, it sounds like your investor needed more collateral than like, I think there's been investors out there. If you are passionate about what you're doing, who will invest in you without needing you to like back it with your own personal house. There's other ways to like, or if there's like a really this. close family member right. who's got money, who's, who knows who you are, sees the potential. in right. you. I mean, we had people that were willing to give us money. 
Yeah, so that's that's kind of where I was going with too. the idea of like doing the pop up and showing the worth a little bit. And then some of the investors would be more attracted and be like, "Look, you're not you're not necessarily taking such a high risk and in investing money in us. We have something that's good. See, there's a proof of concept here. Get me a brick and mortar store. Help me do this thing, and you'll get your money back for sure. You know, that's kind of where I'm going with that. But you're right. I mean, it's hard. We're we are fully lucky at least in the investor circuit, which we haven't needed to use, but we had enough people who are interested in, invest in investing in us because of all the time we put into the coffee industry. And that did a little bit help us secure our loan. Really, the money from Charles helped us secure our loan, but the fact that we could speak to what we were doing on a real level was helpful. We were professionals already. It's a hard one. It's I mean, a starting one. a business is hard. Some of it requires just persistence, really. Yeah. And we had weird things like we both ran out of money during the process. So you shouldn't feel, fun. you shouldn't feel discouraged about that at all. I went to a, a sick job fair at Whole Foods That's where true. I had two interviews in one day. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And then you just left. I got the job in the meat market at Whole Foods and I was super depressed because <laughs> I'd been working in coffee for a really long time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, supposedly supposed to be one of the top professionals in my field and here i am about to fucking put on a like apron coat and, and have some guy who's like younger than me tell me how to cut meat up into chunks at whole foods and like not to diss on the butcher game like i love like el salsichero and like your local like artisan butcher shop like that's it i'm all about meat but this was just like it's so true. i was like fuck my he life dude <laughs> i'm like i can't hang with this dude and i called him back this, the same day and i was like Hey, yeah, I can't do this. I'm no sorry. chance. I, I appreciate it. And I was lucky enough to, to find a job elsewhere. The fine people at the French press. The finest. Hooked me up. Um, but I did commute an hour and a half to... Not cut meat. To not cut meat. <laughs> so all that to say, just to echo what Jared said, it sounds like you have a lot of passion. I don't think you should be discouraged. Even Keep though it, going. It, it will feel discouraging. And there will be times where you feel like, what did I do? Is this ever going to end? And I truly believe that if you push hard enough against it, and it sounds like you're smart, and it sounds like you've done your homework, yeah. and you know you went to culinary school, like you have skills, I believe that it can work out. And I'm not a big, like, if you believe, it'll happen. Oh, no, but you have to put like, in the work. If you believe and work and have the chops, which it seems like you do, I would just keep pushing. Yeah. And I don't know. I've, I've run into more and more people. I never used to talk a lot to right. people. Now I talk to everybody, and there's opportunities for friendship and people who care about what you do everywhere. And I wouldn't be surprised that if you just like spoke a lot, built yourself some sort of platform right. or just went out a lot in your local community, you might find people with good hearts that believe in what you do. Or if the idea of investment is really scary to you, you know, you might know someone who's like really good friends with a financial advisor that could help out in ways right. that other people can't. There's or get like, a co-signer on a lease maybe too, if you right. had to, or on a loan, I mean... There's some interesting things out there. I think sometimes you just have to be creative. I mean, even if you know somebody in your local community who has space in their store and you could sublet a, a portion of their store and have like a collaboration space, there's ways to... Right. If you take like the... Take an opportunity. Um, we were talking about the G&B, um, Go Get the a original, Tiger yeah. conglomerate, and they were like a bunch of shitty looking metro racks in the back of Squirrel Kitchen. Right. Just making it happen. Yeah. Not super glamorous, but like putting out what they wanted to do, doing their thing, and then, you know... Making it amazing. Four or five years, whatever it is later, like multiple locations... Right. ...that are their own, and... 
That's pretty cool. So yeah, don't be afraid to do it nasty. Make it nasty. Make dude. it nasty. Dude. Short and nasty. Pull it short like and the, nasty. Like the Aussies called dude, it. Dude, pull it short and nasty. That's so that's a real. good question. I hope yeah. I, and best of luck to you. That's a tough endeavor, but good things come in tough endeavors, not I, small packages. I feel for you, and I think that you're gonna be you're gonna be awesome. So know that you are not going through what you're feeling. You're not the only person who's ever felt oh. this. No, it's chill to be homeless for six months. You'll feel like someone just like slapped you in the face and like kicked you in the balls (laughs) at the same time. Or other parts. (laughs) Or other parts. (laughs) That hurt wherever they are. Yeah, I don't know how they feel. I only have balls. Uh, Adam. Is that who's writing? Adam Broussard? Yeah. Nice, dude. Right here. My boy. Greetings from NOLA. My name is Adam Broussard, and I work for District Donuts Sliders Brew. That's a sick name. DDSB. Yeah, every time, dude. DDSB. I found your podcast at the end of 2016. I've successfully listened to all the episodes while also somehow keeping up with the Art of Manliness podcast. What's that? I've listened to that a couple of times. I got turned onto it from the Art of Charm, but I don't oh. listen to it much. So there's the Art of. Anyway. It's not like as bro as it sounds, though. It sounds bro Yeah, it's not like that. Thank you, guys, for the awesome content and positive vibes. I definitely have them. I was wondering... <laughs> If I could get some deeper insight on your staffing and training, I hope you can, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Be a lot cooler if you could. You'd be a lot cooler if you did. What are your thoughts on how you guys determine who will be a concierge and who will barista? Of course, the barista position isn't isn't a more important job. Hashtag no barista pedestal. That means you listen to our episode. But it's typically a position that gets earned in most cafes. Do you hire people in as concierge with the intention of training them to be barista or does everyone pretty much ride in their place? What does your training process look like to go from concierge to barista? Does that person have to bar back for a few weeks first? Question mark. Do you have a few one-on-one sessions? We're looking to solidify our training systems and I'm super stoked to hear your thoughts. Well, we're going to back into this, but first and foremost, concierge is way harder than barista. So let's just get that out of the way for how it works at our cafe. Being yeah. a concierge is the person who takes on all the ordering, 90% of the questions, the cafe flow, the the greeting comes from everybody, but they're still the number one. Like the concierge job is a lot more hustle and mental struggle. It's a lot of mental energy. It's mental energy out all day long. Is it clean out there? The baristas Oh, Lighthouse is out. Lighthouse dude. is out. They finished their coffees. You. Thank you so much. Uh, so, so for us, we, we do actually, we have so far in the past, put people in the barista position who have some history making coffee somewhat to start. Like when we open a new cafe, which has happened twice now, we have naturally allowed some of those people who have some history making coffee to start in those positions, all intents and purposes, everything being equal. Right. So that's 20 new people in a brand new store. Some of them are going to have to be baristas. We're going to pick the ones who have a little bit of history. But we do take them through a cla- two different classes that Chris leads on theory and how we produce coffee, and we make it easy on them. And a lot of them find making coffee in the way we, <laughs> we do it easier than they ever have in the past. A lot easier. Because we intentionally do so. We make it easy. And I think in the question of do you hire concierge with the intention of training them to be a barista? Yeah. I mean, of course. we hire 
in retail, we're like hiring for people who will work in retail. Yes. With the understanding that they are going to need to be a concierge. They're going to need to be a barista. They're going to need to work that support role. Right. And if you have, I mean, we like the training and we like the holistic view of things. But if you look at it purely from a business point of view, if you have someone on staff who can only do one task. Waste. That's a waste of, I mean, it's, it's just, you're not being effective. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like, why would you do that? And when I see people looking like, you know, I watch Jared and he's making the retail schedule. Like I can't even imagine how gnarly it would be if there were like, these are the only people, they only work register and these yeah. people only make coffee and these people only do bar back floater support or whatever you call it at your cafe. Right. It just, it seems like a nightmare. It seems like a terrible idea. We it's, hire people who want to be a comprehensively great employee and want to grow and learn. And, I, you know, back in the day, I would think, like, oh, yeah, like when I first started a ritual and like, I, you know, I was just like two months in before I made coffee. It made sense to me at the time. There was like a lot more mystery about it. But there's not as much mystery about coffee. And really, it's like it doesn't need to be that earned of a position. I think earning the position is just getting hired at the store. Like right. make your hiring process tight, only hire people that you think are going to be willing to learn, willing to do the work, willing to do it all and fit with your culture, fit yes. with your values. And those people are going to pretty much be awesome at whatever you teach them to do. Cause sure, they actually care. Cause they actually care. And then some people are going to have sweet spots towards certain things, you know, when you get to like higher level stuff. But Good I advice. mean, I, I can't imagine like, we make business. We have businesses that right. like produce coffee. Like right. we need to hire people with the intention of training them to make coffee. Yeah, I mean, like, why would you have people that can't make the product that you serve? Sounds like a terrible. Doesn't even idea. make sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're a bakery. No, we don't train these people to bake. They're just here. We have four bakers. They just kind of hang they out. They just serve. They just serve. They yeah, just serve. They're just like doing. And they get to say hashtag you got served. So I mean, yeah, the everybody does go through the coordinator coordinator ha, the concierge position first, but that's only truly. Because we haven't figured out the way we would like to start them in the espresso corner right now. If I actually had it my way and it worked perfectly, which we kind of don't believe it does yet, I would train somebody to make espresso first because that's the easiest thing to learn how to do. I completely agree. Yeah. Making yeah. espresso is the easiest thing you will do at a coffee shop. For sure. <laughs> For sure. I was actually just reading where he says, does a person have to bar back for a few weeks? The bar back that's slash milk hard. steamer is way harder than being the shot puller. Yeah, dude. Being it's a like, shot puller is like being a peon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've we've said it before. So it's if you're making espresso, it doesn't matter what that espresso is going into. You know what I mean? Like if it's going into a latte, if it's going it's into a mocha, the same. if it's going into a triple soy, almond milk, whip whap, whatever. It's just like you're pulling the same espresso over and If over you're doing again. a good job. If you're doing a good job. And like maybe you have two espressos. Okay. Two recipes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Two recipes. Jeez. It's getting fucking crazy Three, here. Three decaf. Three decaf? Oh my gosh. You're pushing the, pushing the envelope Unless now. idiots who don't serve decaf. Which is like, I mean, in reality, it's like you got a small percentage of decaf. So you're really, you're managing like one thing. And if you're in that bar back position, you're like prepping pitchers, pulling out milk, serving managing the cups that are coming off the line like talking to finishing the people. talking to people keeping the service area clean like you have more customer engagement yep it's just it's next level compared to just like putting 19 grams in tamping <laughs> it and pushing a button forgive us for making sort of fun of this but it's so true it's not even making fun of it it's just like of all the things that happen in a cafe you cannot honestly look me in the eye and tell me that that's the hardest thing you're doing yeah, and we're not like full 
Perger automation junkies or anything, but he's on the right track. It's not that hard. It's <laughs> it's, it's not that tricky. So yeah, I and mean, uh, but but that's I mean, there's care that goes into that there's portion. There's care that goes and into it. Technical training that goes into that portion that is all very 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 important to us. Well, we talk about this when we talk about we talked about it last night at the espresso class, and we talk about it when we were setting up training systems. Is for years we were led to believe that making espresso. And being a barista in general is like really, really complex and really, really hard. Yeah. And I would say if you're revamping your training program, if you're revamping your barista training systems, start from scratch and set the tone for training that like, hey, this isn't that hard. You can totally do it. Right. And you're going to be awesome at it. And it's not as confusing as people make it sound. And if you've heard that in the past, just throw that right out the window and let's, let's start fresh. Holler at your friends. I've seen, because I used to, you're an expert and you know about all of the ins and outs of any particular thing. Right. So we've been making coffee forever and we know about all of its complexities and we know all about the potential things that could be and the minutia that could affect something. So a lot of times that gets in the way and it did for me when I used to train back in the day, I would want to teach all of that to everyone right, right. away not really respecting that, like, it's that 80-20 method. You know, 80% right. of the results come from 20%. Of it's like, you got to knock the big things off the list first. Get There's them a real few tight. things that you can do that are going to contribute to quality. And, like, the rest of it is not that important. And just now that we set people up for success from the get-go, right. they're like, hey, you're going to nail this. Yeah. Their attitude has changed so much where they actually learn more, I think. And they're so confident. And I love to get the same coffee from everybody, the same quality of coffee from everybody in our cafe. It's my yeah. favorite thing. Yeah. It's, it really doesn't matter who's on bar. I really don't have to think about it Which at all. isn't an experience that I've had anywhere else. I'd be like, oh, like any place that we've worked, I'm like, I want to get my shot from so-and-so. Right. Now I'm just like, give me espresso. I don't even care that. who makes it. It's yeah. the sickest thing ever. You got it. Yeah. You got it, dude. You got it, dude. <laughs> You Michelle got it, Tanner. dude. <laughs> Michelle Tanner. But I, I would set up a training system that's really simple and focuses on intentionality. Because the difference between a really awesome barista and one who's just mediocre, if you look at them from afar, they're basically doing the same things. Right. But it's like, how are they doing those things? What is like the intention and care into doing those things? Yeah. And I mean, you have to decide as a company what you want. And if For us, it's service first. And coffee needs to, it's almost like coffee needs to be the default. So we don't have to talk about coffee all the time. Well, right? it, well I mean, I think it's what we just said. It's like right. making good coffee is pretty simple. Right. And we've got it down. We have recipes. Like we Not know, only we, you, everybody in the world now has recipes how to make coffee. There's a trillion blogs. Pick the recipe that works best with the coffee that you are getting, buying, or roasting. Nick Purvis came through. Yeah, it was awesome. Nick from Good Coffee. And I talked to him for a while, and we talked about hiring people and filtering through resumes and he was just like he's like man when you look at resumes and you see people have had coffee experience does it just make you kind of want to shy away from them a little bit yeah and i'm like yeah absolutely it does and he's like yeah me too and there's this thing to where you know people want to use us maybe for like a resume booster or they want that job that like really crazy dream job which is i want to sit in a lab all day and do experiments and we just don't need that anymore and right like, yeah we don't need that anymore there's not as much mystery around coffee as there was 10 years ago it's like, true 
like you said, recipes are easy. Knowing how to make espresso, it's simple. You can figure it out in a million different ways. There's like so many different resources you could go to to learn how to make espresso. Yeah. You don't have to be a competition barista or no one. You don't have to have gone to some crazy school. Like it's everywhere. Yeah. Turn on the internet. It's how do you, you make can, the people feel that come You can to learn your doors. how to make espresso. So just check that off your box. It's like something that you know how to do. Yeah. But you don't have to think about it. You put your energy into other places. Yeah. That's that's essentially how we do it. So to to kind of even further your question, we are in the process of finishing a 12-week onboarding program that includes an orientation, many classes in the classroom, and then kind of a skill and knowledge assessment tracking throughout the whole thing where you just have building blocks of training. And at the end of that 12 weeks, everybody who works for our company will be making coffee and they'll also know how to serve uh everyone in the at the the level of customer service that we want and they'll be able to answer a lot of questions and have a lot of knowledge and that's that's our goal and then from there we go on to a whole different level of you know we we add to those building blocks just enough just in time and just when they're ready make it happen that's our dream and we'll put together a cool passport for lack of a better term like starbucks does but it's more like a you know like a training checklist where people can make sure that the training is consistent throughout no matter what store they go to. So I'm excited about that idea. It's like if everybody in our leadership team knows how to train and trains people the same way, it doesn't matter what store you're at or it doesn't matter what kind of scheduling you have. You can walk in and say, here's where I'm at in my training, Mr. or Mrs. Leader or Miss Leader. Will you please take me to the next level? And they'll be like, cool, yep, we're going to go through this training today. And they check it off and then the person has continued on their education. And it's not pigeonholing us into only training at certain places with certain people at certain times. It's like, it allows us to keep moving forward holistically as a company. And it makes multiple sources train, which I also love. It makes teamwork come into life. Yeah. It's where I'm at. Truth. Truth. Truth serum. Everybody. This is going to make me sound like a dick. That'll be fun. But you're pretty, it's chill, dude. I'm pretty chill. Yeah. Not to take away from where anyone's going, but because a lot of people, it's a coffee podcast, right? So people want to know about coffee stuff. Do they? But I would say that if you're a business owner or a trainer or something, take a step back and talk to the person who owns the business and make like a list okay. of everything that goes into making a business function. Okay. So you've got like making coffee. You've got some aspect of customer service. You've got like keeping the cafe clean show ready but then you've also got like Like financials and cost of financials cost of goods like you know all of those percentages blah 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 yeah doing scheduling all of that and like put percentage percentages like what percentage of this do you think like you know like how much of your time or how much of the business's time needs to focus on this right and then Train all of those things to, you know what I mean? Like, right. like develop training systems for all of those things or be aware of all of those things. Start with the ones that are taking up the most percentage. Yeah. Well, and I just see like people just like only focused on coffee and even in a coffee company, you need to have focus elsewhere or else it's just not going to last for very long. Yeah. You're not a coffee maker. You're a coffee company. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. You're not a <laughs> or coffee maker. Or else you can just like be a barista by yourself with your own pop-up cart. Yeah. Or you could be a home barista. Yeah. Which and, is tight. Yeah. But it's just different. Yeah. Or even just work by yourself as a barista and start your own little coffee cart and be done. Super sick. Forever. This one's a good one. Okay. This Last is, question. Because then I got to eat lunch. Oh, crap. And go on the, it's okay. Are we good, good here, dude? We're at like 35 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Seriously? Yeah. 
came out of nowhere. Oh, my goodness. I like this one, though. Yeah, yeah. We can finish the question. I heard you guys speak at SCAA 2017 and been listening to some podcasts since. Thanks so much for all you do and sharing the insight to improve the coffee world. I just started a shop and I'm learning a lot. One area I'm increasingly realizing the importance in and wanting to, is wanting to invest in our team. I've listened to you touch on values and hiring, which is great, and wanted to expand on that. How do I develop a solid system to do performance reviews and raises? I feel like that's coming up soon, and I don't have much experience here, and would really like to start strong and build a healthy and consistent foundation from here on out. Awesome. It's a great question. Uh, We do and have just finished our first ever reviews. Our reviews were built around specifically our company values. So if you don't have those, I would suggest putting them into play. So there's com- we have company values and philosophies, and we basically kind of categorize all of them. So for one of them, right, uh, putting on the show, that's one of them. So under show, we have kind of like a subset of like, these are all the things that are kind of the measurables in putting on the show, and then we give people a rating zero through one through five and three is the average and three means like you're meeting expectations three is good so we essentially have i think there's some like subsectors of some of these categories but essentially there's like 15 different areas and each person gets a score and then we decide if there is a raise based on a score and a percentage and where you land and you essentially fill these things out and you give people who are meeting expectations, you still give them goals to grow and like where they're good and where they're like maybe could be some growth. And then the people who are maybe not meeting expectations, you give them deadlines to fix those things and make them get to meet expectations level. And you walk through those things with them and allow them to, and just reflect back to what your business is trying to do and what your company is trying to achieve. And you allow people to kind of see that None of this is personal. Here's what you do every day. Here's where you kill it. Here's where you don't. When you don't kill it here, it affects us slightly negatively in this way. So I need you to correct that. Here's how we can help. You ask questions of the people. Do they, you know, do they feel comfortable with what you're asking them? Do they need support in getting to these places? Is there things that are not clear that are actually affecting their job performance? And you go through this process with them and For us, at least half of the staff had never in their lives had a review before, had never had official feedback on paper. And it was both, it was honestly all in super awesome, but a lot of them were so intimidated by having us to say nice things about them in their, in their reviews that they didn't know how to take positive feedback like that in such a formal way. Cause it was just like Kristen and Tanner or myself and somebody like saying you do this and you're so great at that. And we're so happy for you. And we see you potentially going in this direction and here's your thing. And then here's your little percentage of a raise or whatever. And it's, it was so funny to see them kind of get sheepish and be like, uh, thanks. Yeah. And, and don't be scared of the, I won't even call it negative feedback. I would just call it areas of improvement yeah. because if you have people who are straight ballers and really want to do something, they will take that to heart and they'll know that like, like someone who's a boss, like always wants to improve in certain areas. So if you take someone and you're just like, yeah, dude, you're doing a great job. And they're like, okay, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? I don't know specifically what I'm doing well. And also I also don't have any plan for improving my status in the company or my performance in the company. And no matter how good you are, there's always room for improvement. Always. You know, all the way up to ownership level. It's real. Kristen. Hi, Kristen. What's up, dude? We're just recording a podcast. Super tight. 
Do you want to say hi you to the internet world? world? Hi, guys. <laughs> that was Kristen Hudson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> she's up there. Yeah. Hi, friends. She's running things. Kristen, Kristen has definitely been a lifesaver for me in this company. Um, but that's so, true. So yes. It's so true. How clear can you make Specificity it? Specificity is like the only thing. I've had reviews in the past, but I've always had like really vague reviews. It's like, yeah, man. I think you're doing pretty good. Just like, that's great. And I'm like, cool. I've been here for like three years. You can benefit I, our culture. Can I like go somewhere yeah. with that? Can you just expand? Right. To, tell me what to do. Yeah. Because I'm hungry. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you that I'm hungry. So give me some food to eat. People want to know how to improve. They want to know. They want to know how positively, specifically they're helping your business too. So like be Which, hyper specific. It's hard for, it was hard for me at first. Like when I gave Alex his first review, right. there were, because he's a great employee, but yeah. there were like a lot of areas that he could improve upon. Yeah. And I was like kind of sheepish to talk about those at first, but that was what really stuck with him. He's like, oh, thank you for the feedback. Like I have something to build towards and that's badass. Right. And I was like, Kill killer, because I was kind of nervous. And yeah. But people love it. And it's really key on top of being specific to being able to tie back what you're talking about to your company goals and values so that Again, they can just see how what you're trying to teach them feeds into what makes your company what it is and why it's special. And just making sure that there's a lot of connection to your brand there. I, I personally like really loved kind of going through the review process. Um, and uh, we'll continue to refine it, which is awesome. But even for a first go, it's like when you write down things, you know, like show and authenticity and courtesy and all these things and like the things that are just that go along with that. And you can write little notes about what people do and just show them like, Hey, we see you doing these things and we're not telling you to do them. And some of it part of the job and some are going above and beyond the job. Like just so you know, we see you, the things that you are doing go above and beyond what we require of you. And when people see that you've wrote that written that stuff down and it's logged and you, you do notice, even though we might tell them all the time, thank you, you're doing a great job. Or I saw you visually, whatever to have them, hear you like validate what they're doing is key. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, so huge. huge. So, you know, that is, that is a big part of it. And being able to essentially, if you want to like make it really simple in how you give people maybe potential raises, cause I believe you may have talked about that part. You just say, if you're in, first of all, you delegate the amount of money you have to delegate, delegate. I'm going to delegate you some budget. money. Yeah, dude. $100. You budget the amount of sweatshirt. <laughs> you have to give your team in whole. And then you say, okay, well, if you get between this number and this number, you get this amount of increase, whether it's a cent or a dollar or a percentage, your choice, you're in charge of your business, not me. And you just break it down. And if meets expectations, still gets a small raise because of tenure. And that's awesome. We are going to do, I believe, uh, by annual reviews is our plan. And we haven't fully ironed out everything, but with our first set of reviews, it was for our team who opened the company. So it was more than a year or it was more than six months. So we ended up, I believe, giving everybody a raise, a little bit of a raise, even though we were, it's like hard for us, but it's worth it for us. This team opened a company. We have a second store. They deserve all of it really. And more. <laughs> Yeah. They're awesome. There's a direct correlation between the success that the company's had and them. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty legit. Because without, it's not, it doesn't work. Yeah. 
They all like Chris and I for sure, but they also don't get to see us every day. It's not working not without them. working. Yeah, I think that's it. Set something in place, make it as tangible and specific as possible. Yeah. And drill down with the, I mean, maybe we're beating a dead horse, but with the values too, because you can create a value that say, we value teamwork. But then break that down in the context of the cafe. What are examples of exhibiting the value of we work as a team? Yeah. What does that mean? Because without those specifics, you just have pretty words on paper and you're like, that sounds good. Yeah. I like teamwork. We put on the show. That sounds nice too. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Your show's not that good. Yeah. What does that mean? It's so real. Yeah. It makes it easy though. It's so nice. It, it really does it so make easy. it easy and it, it makes takes reviews emotion. easy. It makes hiring easy. It does. It makes firing easy if you have to do that. It makes firing so easy. It's it's not and yeah. it's not like firing's cool ever, but it's like here it is. Sorry. I like it. Yeah. I like the I like the system. It's like having somebody yeah, something having our back. System is nice. All right, I think we're going to cash this one out. You guys out. are so we're awesome. We're pretty hungry. I'm hungry. I'm starving right I'm now. Very so hungry. thank you so much for listening to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, I'm Chris. And I'm like, oh, I'm here. I'm Chris. I'm here. There's a dude staring at us. Where? He stopped now that I just finally said go? that. He was just sitting there staring at us. And dude, when you have microphones outside, everybody want to know. You. They're like, what's going on? You pull out the fucking smallest camera ever. Like we were walking down to the <laughs> hook and I had the tiny, tiny camera, the little Canon. And people were like, you guys filming a documentary? And I'm like, what is, what? Are you high, dude? Like, and yeah. Are yes, you? I am. It's a mockumentary. Yes, it's a mockumentary about you. Yeah, you're in, in it your now. face, dude. Can you, you be in it? Will like, sign? Are you on Ludes? For sure, on Ludes. <laughs> Downtown's tight, dude. I don't know. I know. Let's go get an oyster. Okay, bye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>